Hi, welcome back to Before Nashville. We're introducing the country stars of tomorrow to the country fans of today. And before we even get started, I wanted to take a minute um, just to uh, uh, recognize those who have given their lives so that I can have the freedom to do this and my guest and I can have the freedom to do what he does. And it's all because of men and women like these folks that we're able to do what we do every day. Um, I, I work in radio during the day, as many of you know, and I was reading last week that uh, most folks don't even understand what Memorial Day is all about. And I know it's the tail end of the day, but Memorial Day is a day that we honor and we uh, just give our respects to those who have served and given their lives for everything and every freedom that we have. And so um, my guest tonight, Tyler Deaver, I'm going to talk to him in just a bit, but uh, we talked a little bit earlier. And just in honor of those folks, we wanted to raise a glass and say thank you for your sacrifice to the families. Thank you for your sacrifice as well, because it goes deeper than just um, the, the men and women who, who have lost their lives. It goes to those and their families who have lost a loved one and uh, in giving exactly what they felt that they needed to do in order for us to have our freedoms. So we're going to raise a glass to them again. As always, it's uh, Three Rangers and uh, my buddies at Three Rangers. Uh, this is for Rangers past, present, and future. This is for all of those who have served, who have fought, who have given their lives for us so that we can have our freedoms. So to each and every one of you, cheers. Cheers. All right. Now, with that being said, we're going to get into the program tonight. And uh, Tyler, let's get it started. That sounds like a plan. Before the arenas, before the awards. This is Before Nashville Live. Have a question for our guest? Send it to us via Messenger. Here's your host, George Davis. And welcome back to Before Nashville, where we are introducing the country stars of tomorrow to the country fans of today. And this guy from a young age. He's been blessed with a great gift of singing. He shared his voice through choir and drama while uh, he was growing up. He wanted to do more with music than just sing. So in college, he began, began playing guitar, began singing, began gigging out at local bars and county fairs. And these events over the years have made this guy uh, realize his true dream. It's a dream of singing and living and sharing his music with the world. Uh, welcome to uh, before nashville tonight tyler deaver tyler how you doing my man man i'm hanging in there i appreciate you having me on well i appreciate you coming on um as a lot of times i find a lot of the artists i bring on through instagram and tyler was one of those that i found on instagram and and reached out to him and he was so um so pleasant to talk to and so willing to come on tonight and it's just great that i'm able to do what i can to help hopefully further some of your careers along the lines. I mean, I hope so anyway. Um, but uh, Tyler, tell me a little bit about yourself, about your background. I mean, it said, you know, you were growing up, you found your voice at a young age and just kind of give us a, a backstory on the, on the life of Tyler Deaver. Absolutely. Yes. I, um, I grew up in farm country uh, in Southwestern Wisconsin. So it was just pretty much nothing but uh, dairy cattle and white-tailed deer, which for by me was absolutely <laughs> fine. You know, I uh, you can't see it, of course, right now, but all around me are just deer heads. So okay. other than other than the guitars, so um, I was lucky, man. We grew up on you know a hundred-acre farm, and I was able to go fly fish and have a very deep passion for the outdoors and just being outside in general. And uh, that's one tough thing about being in the city; it's a little harder to to walk out the door and go do those things. But Nashville's got, you know, nearby some great things. And right. so I love, love the outdoors, but I've always had this battle between doing music stuff and outdoors and kind of what pulls me a little bit more. And obviously uh, kind of pursuing music as I started to get in my college years, I realized, okay, I'm like, I'm not too bad at this. I think I might have a knack for doing this. And maybe I can, if I'm lucky enough, maybe do it as a living, you know, sing for a living down there in Nashville. And so, uh, my wife and I um, kind of basically just kind of came down to check it out, see if I'd fit in there. And I was like, man, like I need to be, I need to be here and all those things, all the plays and musicals and, 
singing that I did growing up in school, it was kind of, it was fun then, but I never knew at that point that I wanted to like do it for a career. I probably didn't even know you really could, you know, unless you were, right. you know, the big star kind of thing. But that's pretty much where I grew up, man. It was farm country and there was a good music program at the local high school. So I was lucky that way. Um, my sister was a singer and I kind of followed in her footsteps and here I am. So, <laughs> so as you're growing up and you're discovering your voice and you figure out, you know, this is really my thing. I mean, you pursued that, uh, you said you and your wife went down to Nashville, you realize, Hey, this is really something I think I can do. But prior to, to that introduction of you and your wife, what kind of things were you doing to get prepared for where you're at right now? It's funny, you know, I, uh, before then I, in high school, I, I was not, if I could go back in time, I would have picked up the guitar, you know, way earlier, you know, and that would have been a huge, huge help because I really wasn't, you know, preparing myself in a, like a musical sense with an instrument. I did play, you know, I played trumpet, like, you know, the kids in the band do. And I played uh, cello for quite a few years, but I never picked up anything that like, really put me in that country music kind of vibe until right. probably until that college year. And then I really started thinking like, man, like if I want to, you know, play in Nashville, I need to be able to play guitar or piano or both, you know, optimistically um, like that. And so I wasn't as great at, I sang all the time. I played in some rock bands and stuff. We had a kind of funny to look back on now, but we had a journey cover band at one point, which was, <laughs> you know, who didn't, right. I mean, that's, I right. guess that's, but uh, so we did that. We played, uh, we actually played at a lot of like churches for like lock-ins and stuff for like when we were in middle school. And so I did a bunch of stuff like that. We played some bars in La Crosse, Wisconsin um, at some of those places. And so it was kind of a, a good initiation. Uh, but uh, I think college really is when I started kind of uh, really tweaking some things and getting where I can actually understand um, kind of how rhythm guitar really works and learning some lead things. And that kind of helped me take it to that next level. But I was in school focusing on wildlife biology um, and environmental law enforcement at Stevens Point. So I, I didn't even go to school for in college for music. Um, okay. So I kind of went, kind of went the other way. And so I got that, that degree that I'm just, you know, so, so currently using right now, you know? Right. <laughs> so who are some of your early influences as far as the music went? Uh, it's kind of funny. I have a kind of a good mix, but my mom and dad did a good job of giving me a, a good variety. They were huge classic rock fans, mm -hmm. um, but they were also big country music fans. And so I got a good dose of like, you know, they'd be listening to, you know, Sticks and Kansas and stuff like that. But then they also were listening to George Strait and Alan Jackson and right. Conway Twitty, you know, stuff like that. So they had a, they had a good combination and kind of an odd combo if you think about it in a way it'd have that kind of mix but they had all the uh, vinyl records and they had a huge box that I right. could basically kind of sift through and everything from super tramp to that country stuff and um, that kind of started formulating my love for classic rock initially um, and when I was younger I was just nothing but a classic rock guy that's all I wanted to wanted to listen to and then as I got into high school um, I started kind of coming back to that country side of things and I was just a huge fan of some of the, you know, like the early Dirks Bentley stuff. And right. um, I'm, a, I'm a huge uh, David Nail fan. And it's guys like that were just like, they're just fantastic and kind of fell in love with that. And so there's kind of two sides of it that I just latched onto and ran with it. Yeah, David's got an amazing voice. Um, he and I actually share the same hometown. Um, oh, really? Okay. Yeah, I was born in, uh, in Kennett, Missouri and uh, uh, still have an aunt that lives there. And uh, her son is actually in Nashville now and uh, huh. has been in Nashville for quite some time and working for another country artist. Um, and so there's and, and David, I've met a couple of times and uh, actually about three times and uh, just an, he's, he's an all around good guy. So it's, it's good to hear somebody point him out as being an influence on them because he's got an amazing voice. Dude, he real. is unreal. He, he's one of those guys that I can't believe he's not you know, still on Main Street. But I mean, it's, you know, it's one of those things where he cut just the music he wanted to cut and he didn't right. really do the sellout thing. And and there's nothing wrong with it either way. But man, he's just so good. His voice, he could out sing just about anybody, I think, on the radio. Oh, he's yeah. so good. Yeah, great guy. Great family man. I mean, and, uh, you know, it doesn't hurt from from he and I both being from Missouri that he's a Cardinal fan and a major <laughs> Cardinal fan. Right. Baseball growing up. There's a big correlation. You know, I've noticed that a lot lately. There's a big correlation between sports and country music. There is. Uh, you know, when you think about it, you've got David, you've got Chris Lane, you've got Brett Young, you've got Matt Still. 
um, uh, Matt Stell. You've got a lot of guys, uh, Cole, um, uh, Cole Ford, you know, guys that play sports that have gotten into music. And a lot of them are because something happened that they couldn't follow their sports career, normally an injury. Yes. Or something like that. And so it's like guitar's the next best thing to pick up, I guess. <laughs> go get the chicks. I don't know what they're doing. <laughs> You're about right. That must be what they're thinking. <laughs> <laughs> but but a lot of good stuff. When was the first time you picked up a guitar and started playing? I actually picked it up my last year of college. So it would have been 2015. Um, wow. I picked it up. So I picked it up late. Um, but I tell you, like, it's funny, you know, after that first I'd say year where it's just kind of like, I, I never have taken a lesson. I've just kind of self-taught and I used YouTube mm -hmm. and different things online, but I've never like went to like an actual formal lesson. And I'm sure that would have helped, but like helping learn by myself also helped me kind of get places. And I tell you, I've learned more in the few years that I've been in Nashville than I did, you know, the first couple of years that I was actually playing because you just pick things up off of musicians, you know, uh, that you right. play with and people you meet. I, I have a guy that's uh he kind of took me under his wing when I got to town. His name is Colton Steele mm -hmm. and he plays a bunch of good old country music and stuff. And he taught me so much about that. And he's a heck of a picker. And I've learned a lot of things on guitar from just watching, watching what he's doing on that guitar. And like that helped me so right. much. So it's, I've been able to kind of, kind of turn those wheels a little bit faster since being in town. <laughs> That's pretty cool. I mean, and I, you know, besides that, you you write. You're, I mean, you're a songwriter as well. What do you feel like right now is one of the biggest challenges of of songwriting facing artists today? I think really, you know, after a course with the pandemic and everything, a lot of people don't want to write in person. Um, you know, when you're co-writing with people, and and to an extent, there's always been you know Skype co-writes and different things like that. That's that's a common thing too because people right. are, you know writing on writing on the West Coast with Nashville people or whatever. Um, but it's, I think it's, it's better, it's easier sometimes to write in person, obviously. So I think that's been one thing that was tough during the quarantine for, for anybody that obviously didn't want to be around anybody else. It made it a little bit harder to, to coordinate things. And then of course, also like for me as, as a guy that, uh, makes a lot of my money off playing Broadway, um, mm -hmm. you know, with that being closed down, I was working construction for pretty much the entire I don't know, probably the first four or five months of that with my buddy. And right. so just to, you know, to make money. So I really, I was kind of putting music on the back burner, obviously, and just trying to do whatever. And, you know, as you know, so many people in every career had to quit or they had to move and, you know, and so many good musicians, same story. They, people that have been in town for 25 years or even more, sometimes, you know, they've had to move back home or kind of, you know, retire from music basically. And that's, it's a shame because a lot of great musicians and songwriters, you know, left town kind of thing. So it was tough. Yeah, COVID, I mean, COVID put such a big hurting on on the music scene in general, not just, I mean, a, a lot in Nashville because you had shows that were canceling or postponing, and then you've got, uh, you know, Broadway shutting down. You've got other venues around town that aren't on Broadway that are shutting down, and it's making it hard for people like you to make a living. I mean, when that's when you put, you know, basically food on the table with it, and it takes that away. It makes it hard. So you have to go back to something else. And while you were doing that, while you were working construction and, and you're kind of out of music, were you still able to kind of work on the crafts a little bit? I still was able to in the evenings a little bit more. Um, you know, luckily, too, you know, my wife is really cool about you know, like letting me do that stuff and, you know, having, mm -hmm. having time kind of uh, scratched away to do those things. And so I got a good setup down here in my basement where I kind of fix it up for, it's kind of the deer head slash music room. So, right. uh, you know, in the evening when I, when I'm going to write something, like I'll come down here and kind of pop my notepad on the desk and, and sit there with the guitar and see what I can come up with. And so, yes, I think it was, you know, it was a, for a lot of people, they had a lot of spare time obviously, because they didn't work a job throughout that period. And me working a little bit, it was a little bit tougher. I definitely haven't written as much during that period as I did before. I was writing a lot more while I was playing full time, um, just because my hours were goofy. You know, you'd have a uh, you know four hour shift at Legends Corner and then I'd be able to go home and write, you know, the, the rest of the afternoon or uh, right. go have a writing appointment with someone. So still got some things done, but it was I was a little bit slower. I was putting a little bit more. Uh, a little bit more into the housing project stuff and whatnot. So, right. 
Still got to pay the bills. They don't quit coming no matter what. So That's right. You know, you do. So when you're writing a song, a, a lot of people, I mean, it seems like everybody kind of has a standardized formula, but there's a little bit of a variation per person. Mm-hmm. What's your typical way to, to begin writing a song? When you go down to your deer head room, what's the first thing you're, you're doing when you're getting ready to write? I think the first thing that I like to do um, – I always have, I think like every songwriter, I have like a, both in my phone and then on like a notepad, multiple notepads and notebooks, Mm -hmm. I have like a bajillion ideas, right? Like, and some of them are, you know, like anything, you get some that are okay, you get some that are maybe not so good and it just kind of takes up paper, but you got to write them all down. And so I'll go through, you know, that list on my phone and there's, I mean, there's a lot of them in there, Um, you know, hundreds of different uh, ideas or maybe just a like a one liner that I put in there that I like thought was cool or unique that I was like, Ooh, this would be a cool hook or this would be a cool, like just one line in a song. And I'll try to sometimes pick a specific line or a, a hook to give me kind of an idea what I'm looking for. Right. And then I kind of, then I pick up the guitar and a lot of times I'll mess around with like a variation of a chord or like a triad on the, on the guitar. Something that sounds a little bit different than your typical, like one, four five progression. Mm-hmm. Um, just to give me some a different vibe that makes me feel something. A lot of times, like if I go into it kind of thinking about one of those phrases, I'll come up with a chord progression that even if it doesn't fit that idea I had, some other words will come to me or another idea will come to me based on that melody that I'm kind of messing with. And for whatever reason, it seems like I have a lyrics come easily to me. So if I come up with a good melody that I like, it seems like the lyrics just kind of flow for me. And I know a lot of people are like, man, like, that must be nice because a lot of people hate doing the lyrics, you know, they, they're like, Oh, I can do the melody. And so for me, it's like, man, I think the words just, they tend to come easy for me. I'll be able to kind of look at them, you know, constructively and be like, well, this line needs to be better and I can go back and mess with it. But for a lot of times, man, like it's, it's, they just seem to, they kind of flow pretty well for me. And I'm like, I'm all, I'm all good with that. I won't argue with it. <laughs> right. So what, Beside uh, doing the Broadway thing, have you been, I mean, have you been out much as far as in the last couple of years around Nashville? Let's say this pre-pandemic, let's say that. <laughs> right. I sure try to, man. Yeah, it's like I try to do like the, um, you know, the, I guess the more independent writers type vibe of Nashville too. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like the Doghouse Saloon and uh, going to watching shows at the Listening Room or, you know, whatever it might be that's more of the songwriter scene. Um, and I've tried to do a good job of getting back to that because it is a little bit tough. When I first moved to town, it was hard for me to balance. I was working full time a retail job when I first okay. moved to town. And so I was trying to do, you know, a Friday night, Saturday night gig out in the Opryland area. And then I was trying to do songwriter things. But a lot of times it was like you get done with the work and you drive right over to like the Vanderbilt area to do a songwriter showcase. And then, you know, you get home at like midnight and then you go do it again at six in the morning, which that's what a lot of people do. It's it's not easy. Right. Um, and so I did try that quite a bit, but it's been so much easier now, um, you know, being a full time musician where your hours are a lot more broken up. So it's like I have more mm-hmm. spare time than typically I would um, with a normal, you know, job. And so that has been good for me to, to be able to do those co-writes, go try to meet new writers um, at those places. I mean, like the live Oak is really cool. Um, Mm -hmm. And a lot of people too, that play those, they're, they're like known writers. They're people that are already on like a label or have a pub deal, but you can meet a lot of cool writers that have a similar vibe to you. And then hopefully they'll write with you. And that's kind of what I've been trying to do. So I try to do that quite often, as often as I can anyway. (laughs) Right. And that's always a good thing. I mean, and it is, I'm sure it is kind of difficult whenever, you know, like you said, you're trying to do um, the the retail thing. Because when you first get to Nashville, very few people are going to jump right into writer's rounds and stuff like that. Again, you still have to pay the bills. Right. You got to find something to do until you get to the point where maybe that'll take off enough to help you out. But um, What's one of the the favorite venues that you have in Nashville that you like to play in for things like that? Mm-hmm. I do. I really enjoy the Doghouse. That's always been one that's kind of a cool vibe to me because it's you know it's not like a super fancy bar by any means, but it's mm-hmm. like there's always just like you never know who's gonna walk in there and you know like right. and just and just pop up for a round. Like there's there's always somebody that's like a hit songwriter that shows up in there pretty much every night. Um, you know, in the same way as kind of over like it's. Um, uh, losers and winners uh, bar as well. Like you just never know who's going to be hanging out. So you can meet some really cool people. Like one night we had uh, a buddy and I were playing at uh, losers and uh, Chris Young came in and gave us a hundred dollar 
tip in our tip jug, you know, kind of thing. And so it was right. like, that's just kind of cool. Like, you know, when you're sitting there just playing music and you know, Chris Young's like, Oh, Hey, here's hundred bucks. Like cool guys kind of thing. And you know, walks off. So it's like that, that is, I think I love that vibe. I probably, it'd be hard to pick one, but I, I do like the dog house. That one's pretty right. cool. I, I like that one. That's one of the places I haven't got to go to yet in Nashville. I've really got to try to get over there, but, uh, it just, sometimes it seems like there's so much going on. It's hard to get away. Yes. Um, if you, uh, excuse me, I've been battling this chest congestion for about a week now and I'm trying to, to kick it and it's mm-hmm. not winning the battle at all. <laughs> um, but if, if you were say to pick your top three songwriters that are your favorites, uh, talking about the songwriting aspect of things, who would those have to be? Who are like the top three that you love to listen to and feel the vibe that they have and, and kind of want to make that a little part of your own stuff? Absolutely. One guy that I have just, a, uh, I just got to meet him briefly one time at the Bluebird. Uh, his name is Brett James. And he, uh, you know, he's written just about every Carrie Underwood hit you could imagine. Oh, yeah. um, but he's, I mean, he's written so many songs and actually one of my favorite country songs ever uh, the truth by Jason Aldean is just like mm-hmm. such a dang good song, man. It's just like everything about it. I'm just like, yeah, that's, and he's, he seems like a really cool guy too. And of course he had like a, a brief solo career of his own when he first was in Nashville. Um, right. And a heck of a singer, the dude, I mean, he's, he's written uh, him and Kenny Chesney have written, I think like, I don't know, probably six yeah. or seven number ones together. I think yeah. it's like he he's all over the book, but he's just such a good writer. He's one of my favorites for sure. I do have a lot of, I've kind of, I got onto the the Jason Isbell train late, uh, admittedly. Okay. I, I didn't I didn't really know much of his music other than like Cover Me Up when it came out and stuff. And then I kind of started paying attention to some of the things that aren't as popular. And he is no doubt like he is in a class of his own oh, yeah. when it comes to songwriting. And I'm just like, man, like there's a lot of his stuff that I've really definitely kind of fallen in love with in the fact that he's just like he's in another category, like with oh, yeah. songwriting. He's just so good. Um, but I tell you too, like going back into like some of my influences of nineties country, I think Alan Jackson is one of probably the most underrated songwriters there is too. Cause like people don't think of obviously all his hits that he wrote for himself, but like some of the songs that he's written for other people too. And, um, mm-hmm. some of the covers that he's done too, some of the, you know, Don Williams stuff that he cut and different things. Like he's like a fantastic songwriter as well. Um, right. not, not to mention a singer. So those are probably three, the three of my favorites for sure that I think of when I, when I think of like just top notch songwriters for sure. And there's, I mean, you, those are great. I mean, I, I love like Brett James. He is one of my favorite. Ernest is one of my favorite. Drake, Jason Isabel. I love his stuff too. Alan. I've always enjoyed the first country album I ever owned was actually as a young man was Alan Jackson. Don't rock the jukebox. Yeah. Um, and that was, well, yeah, that was the first one I personally owned. My mom had a lot of, you know, Tammy Wynette and Loretta Lynn and yes. and used to listen to all those and, and stuff back in the day. And so um, kind of the same thing, just brought up on country music and loved it, you know, and, and kind of went my little wild hair, you know, big <laughs> hair band days and that kind of thing. But yeah, always came back. So if you um, if if you could pick, say, one writer to sit down and write with who would that be hmm. that would be really tough i think i would probably be between i think i'd really want to write one with brett james or maybe maybe red akins uh they're they're two of my two of my favorites um and i just I'll, you know that that 90s vibe they have but they're such a such a right. good mix of what they do but I, pro- I might have to pick brett james like every one of my favorite country songs it seems like his name pops up somewhere you know yeah. i'm just like man i hear a song I'm like man that's a that's a great song like i wonder who wrote that you look it up you're like oh brett james and um, you know it's just like oh well, there you go you know they but they're both like that they, they, they seems like they can just crank out hits left and right but i bet you, you could learn a lot from an hour sitting there with brett james asking him about you know just the song structures and lyric ideas man he could probably teach me a book in, in an hour or two i bet Oh yeah. I mean, like I said, he, he's a great, great, uh, writer and, and all, um, if there were one song that you would say, man, golly, I wish I would have written that song. What would that song be? Man, you know, I was thinking about that too. And I, it's funny because, you know, I think a lot of people would pick 
the like the giant song right and like right. the, like the humongous like the like the number one you know hit maker of like you know of all time for like money wise whatever but honestly mm-hmm. i think like my even though it's not maybe my favorite genre of country i still think that like that that truth song for me by jason aldean for whatever reason mm-hmm. is like one of my i like every time i hear that on the radio i just like have to crank it up it doesn't matter how many times i've heard that stinking song i'm just like it is something about it like the lyrics every lyric in that song everything from like the the faint steel guitar on that on that mm-hmm. tune and like i can picture the entire video because i've seen it like a bajillion times i think i'm like you know about ten thousand of those views on the on right. the like the 35 million of them you know um and it's the song that people be like oh really like that's that's the one you'd pick kind of thing but like for whatever reason i don't know why but it's just such a good to me it just it's that it hits that click man i don't know what it is wow that that's pretty cool now i mean you've got You've got your own stuff. I mean, we we kind of alluded to that earlier. You've written some of your own songs, and and um and getting into kind of the groove of uh, of making a name for yourself. And the the latest song that I have that uh, I've actually listened to a few times that you put out there is called a uh, hundred acres. Yeah, and you've made that statement earlier, and we'll get into that after we play the song because I want to play the song first and then we'll talk about the backstory. But you made the statement that kind of make my ears perk up. So I'll ask you about that when we come back. Right now it's Tyler Deaver. This is his song. It's called 100 Acres. And before Nashville is being brought to you by GoGo Tuners. If you're uh, a musician, it's one of the best tuners you're going to find out there. Easy to tune your guitar with. It gives a green you're in, red you're out. Um, patented technology to where it's real easy to see and extremely easy to tune. So be sure to go check them out at gogotuners.com. We're also being brought to you by Three Rangers Whiskey, as we talked about earlier. Three Rangers, uh, Rangers of uh, past, present, and future. And uh, this was, it's, it's an amazing whiskey. If you haven't checked it out yet, you need to do so. If you can't find it locally, then uh, get a, in touch with your uh, local distributor, your local liquor store, and find out, first off, why in the heck don't they have it? <laughs> because it's really good whiskey. So Three Rangers is also bringing this uh, to you tonight. So here's Tyler Deaver. This is his song. It's called 100 Acres. It's an amazing song. I love the feel of it. I love the flow of it. And I'm going to let you listen to it. And then Tyler and I will talk about it coming right back after 100 Acres on Before Nashville. Remember that old tractor shed All the times that we hid In the cab of that massive Ferguson Just a guy and a girl A hundred acres Being a farm kid has its perks Sunset ridge tops after church And holding hands are walking down the logging road Just a guy and a girl A hundred acres I think we took that place for granted The cows, the hills and the white tail bucks Shit still standing Wonder if that farm kind of misses us Just a guy and a girl Hundred acres I guess you heard they sold a farm Big city money's got a tempting charm they sold the tractor and the house, they burned it down I guess it's up to us to keep the memories around I think we took that place for granted The cows, the hills and the white tail bucks I wonder if that shed still standing Wonder if that farm kind of misses us 
acres on before nashville introducing the country stars of tomorrow to the country fans of today great song i the flow of that song to me is just amazing it's got kind of a softer like a kind of a cross between a 90s 2000 feel a lot like the truth i mean when you listen to the truth and the flow of it very soft where where did the story of the song come from so it did uh kind of like you were probably hinting at there i i grew up on um we had two farms actually um okay. growing up through there uh, both about 100 acres or so uh one was an older dairy farm and one was kind of more just like a recreational property that was like kind of a homestead and uh that's kind of where those those stories kind of a combination of all the you know all the great memories obviously i had uh growing up on that farm and uh being able to literally like you could walk out the door like i was saying you walk like 100 yards out the front door and you have like a class class a trout stream right there you can catch you know with right. so i got to fly fish growing up right outside the house um you know catching 20 inch brown trout is like common then that it's like it's one of those streams it's a catch and release so you can't keep anything in that stream but right. you get big fish so it's you know it's like who cares i'm all for <laughs> it but uh you just you know stuff like that and you know it's all the the it's obviously a working farm and we still uh, even today we still rent the the ag fields out and stuff so there's always tractors we got around there and, and everything so a lot of those memories came from that and uh, unfortunately like you know so many farms uh, the the one that was a century farm uh, true century farm we uh, we sold that one mm. i guess that's probably been a couple of years ago now already probably four or five years ago uh, and it's just one of those things where I, you know i get it but it's it's also it's tough because it was one of those things where had i decided not to move to Nashville. I think my wife and I probably could have afforded and could have got a loan for what we needed to to keep the farm, but obviously that right. would have been something where I would have to change career path and everything. So we opted to to not do that and and move down here and the and uh it just kind of it was a bummer. It's still it's one of those ones where I hope someday maybe if I'm lucky I can I can get it back, but you know how it is right. with farms, man. It's it's tough to do. It is. It's real hard. And and it's always hard, especially when you're giving up a family farm like that. I mean, you know, something that's been in your family for generations. And then, you know, um, it's, and we we deal with that so much. You know, I, I talked a little bit earlier about um, uh, the concert series that I work with, Freedom Jam. And we have a young lady on there by the name of Stephanie Nash. And Stephanie, um, her family's from California where they were dairy farmers and then they moved to middle Tennessee and now they're dairy farmers there. And just the, I mean, her whole, her whole heart is around farming. That's what she does. And she talks a lot about, you know, losing farms and stuff like that and how they're, you know, the farms are not as front of mind as they used to be, say probably even 50 years ago. Mm-hmm. I grew up in a rural community where that's all that was around us was farms. You know, my father-in-law has a small, very small 40 acre feet, you know, farm now. But the thing is he's had that farm since my wife was probably, Oh gosh, three, maybe four, something like that. I mean, right. very, very young. So it's been at her family for a long time. And it's just, you know, it's a, it's a family, it's like a family heirloom. It, it really is, man. 
It, it really does. It's funny you mentioned that too. I actually, uh, Stephanie and I actually wrote a song the other day um, together. So we were actually talking about that okay. um, uh, the other day. And she was mentioned, I can't remember the, the stat, but did, we were talking about how I grew up in Wisconsin, like you said, and how she's like, they have like the largest dairy farm in Tennessee, like you were mentioning. And she was saying how like, yeah, in Wisconsin, she read a stat where it was like, there's like, 60 some a day or something like that that are like yeah. you know like they're losing that many and it's true i mean when i was in third grade i can remember that like i probably almost every kid in our class was grew up on a dairy farm you know pretty much yeah. i would say the majority and anymore like you're you know I, i'm sure it's like maybe there's one or two kids that maybe have a farm you know and it's probably a it's probably a beef operation not a not a dairy right. operation you know so it's it is it's sad man those little those little farms they just can't make it they're just they're kind of empty vacant lots now with cool barns that don't have nothing in them but uh but uh, atvs and stuff now there's no more, right. no more no more cows and things anymore so exactly and and it is sad i mean um i just i think about that and excuse me and uh you know and and when i was in school i grew up i was in ffa i served as an officer and stuff like that and and i just see a lot of those you know those those things are not there there weren't um were really a lot of dairy operations around at that time. I think there were a couple in, in our area, maybe three or four, uh, but nothing big. But, um, you know, you get up in Wisconsin and up in that area, you see a lot of dairy operations and you see a lot of dairy operations that have either changed hands or they're no longer in existence. And that's mm -hmm. a very sad thing. Um, but the, the song itself, I mean, and that was exactly what I was alluding to was, you know, did it come from that? But, um, I mean, like I said, it's such a, to me, it's, it, it's one of the easiest, and, and I don't mean this as a slam, but it's one of the easiest to listen to songs that I've heard in a long time. <laughs> well, I appreciate you know, it. it. It's very, I mean, I can lay back and just chill to that song all day long. Right. It is that good. Very, very good. The, the, uh, you know, the melody is perfect. The words are great. Um, sometimes you might have a little overpowering. There's one part where, you know, you might wait on the guitars to get a little like crazy. But it's just <laughs> that it's that laid back steel, you know, or, yes. or, and I'm, I'm thinking it's a steel. It didn't sound like a slide guitar. It sounded like a steel. And it's just kind of that, you know, and it's like, that's that's good stuff. I mean, to me, that's I mean, I, I can go, you know, I can handle Jason Aldean, you know, anything from Big Green Tractor to what's one of the harder edge ones that he's done. I'm trying to think of what's it kick the lights out or something. Yeah. Like that. Yes. And, you know, something like that. And some of those harder songs are a Brantley, you know, he'll go from one hell of an amen to bottoms up or something like that. But it's just one of those to me, it's just a good relaxing song. I mean, I can deal with that one all day long. So very, very well written, very well performed. Did you do that at a at a Nashville studio? I'm guessing, right? I did, yes. And so it was steel guitar, like you were saying on there too. Yeah, we had steel, and uh, I was debating whether I wanted to put fiddle on it, just because I love having fiddle on stuff. But oh yeah, we uh, I did it uh, at Baird Studios over there with Larry. Um, uh, Larry Baird over there, and they they did a great job. That was the first time mm -hmm. I ever uh, cut anything there, um, and he did. It was awesome, you know. He was very professional, and uh, you know, it was reasonable that way. And obviously, top notch musicians played on it for me, so yeah. they made it so so much easier for me to go in and I did my scratch track vocal, you know, that morning that we did it on, you know, one take. They did everything through. I think maybe you know maybe took thirty minutes for them to track that, and then I did vocals the rest of the afternoon. Wow. Um, with a with a fantastic engineer there and i had pretty much everything in that day i mean they typically a lot of times you know you don't always do vocals the same day but i had the whole day and i felt my voice felt good i hadn't sang a ton that week anyway so i was like i was warmed up good to go and we cranked it and it's it's great though like you basically play them i play them the song i talk about kind of what i want in the sound and like somebody that can actually play steel guitar <laughs> you know like he, like right. he just they turn it into they turned it into something and more of what you, you know, what I wanted. I, I, and I said like, you know, I want that vibe, just like you've been describing, like that's, I'm glad you, that you catch that vibe because that's exactly what I was going for. It's like that good mix of where there's parts of the song, like you said, where it turns up a little bit, but for the most part, it's like that one where you kick back and you're going to, that you're going to hear the story, you know, right. versus if it was a really like in your face kind of country rock vibe, you might not pay as much attention to the lyrics behind it. And I've been waiting on that song for a long time. People I've always played that one out and people have always liked that one a lot. 
and I have waited years to cut it just because I thought, well, it's more of a, a song that I wrote just for me kind of thing, you know, but gosh, like a lot of people, I was like, man, like you need to cut that. You need to cut that. So I was like, well, all right, I'm gonna cut it then. And I did. And I'm, I'm glad I did. It turned out, it turned out awesome for sure. I like it. It definitely sounds great. And that one, you just, I mean, you just released it. Uh, was it this past Friday? Is that right? Or it's, it's been a few weeks. So I had that one out, um, right after the turn of the year, pretty much. Okay. Um, so I had that one out a little bit and I have one that I'm going to have coming out here pretty soon, but I, I didn't have it all ready. It wasn't all done and ready to send right. your way, but, uh, but no, I've been, I've been pushing that hundred acres one for, for a little bit. So it's still the new one. <laughs> really? Yeah, but it, I mean, it's still, I mean, it's it still got that, you know, new song smell as they like right. to be on the radio. <laughs> so it's still good. Um, are you working your way toward a, toward an EP or you're looking at a full album because so many people now, it seems like they release an EP and then they want to release a single every so often up until then, or they'll just release the single, you know, some are releasing a single a month or that kind of thing. Right. I am. I was kind of trying to decide, you know, I've talked to a lot of different artists and people that are, you know, maybe at a level that I'm trying to get to and kind mm -hmm. of seeing what, what their, what their opinion on it is. It is. And a lot of them have suggested that rather than do a full length album to do an like a six pack, like you just said, like a, either okay. a four or six song EP. And I think that's what I'm going to do just because just like you just stated, um, it seems like based on the way that Spotify and all those platforms work is that, you know, you're better off, like you just said, to release a, a single every a month or two or whatever it is you, that you choose because right. um, you're going to get more engagement that way, or you'll get the same amount, I should say, as like a full album versus one single. Right. Um, so eventually I'd, I definitely want to cut a full album and have something like a physical copy that yeah, I can actually sell at my shows because everything's mm -hmm. so digital now that I, that I don't have a, that's the one thing I don't have is an actual physical CD. Um, right. and, and so I think I will, I'm planning on, we have a bunch of out of town, um, runs this next couple of months since things have opened up and uh, some, some festivals up North and everything. And I think okay. after I get back, I'm going to schedule it and try to cut. Um, I'm going to have a hard time picking. I got a lot of, a lot of tunes that I, that I'm like, man, I don't know if I can narrow it down to six or not. And I keep writing. I wrote one the other day that I'm like, dang it, that one's going to bump, <laughs> bump one that I thought I had. I was like, that one's pretty good. And I was like, dang, I'm, I got to cut that one. So Good problem to have, I guess, but it, it's always like trying to pick your favorite child. You just can't do it. You know? <laughs> it's like, I've got seven kids here and I have to pick the six out of my favorites. So one of them's <laughs> going to get left off to the side, you know, right. or something like that. And it's really hard, but I mean, I, I agree with you. I think a lot of artists nowadays, one of the things that I feel like they're missing on is to have that physical copy to to give out, you know, to sell at merch and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Everybody's gone to digital. And I mean, the labels have been doing that for years. I've been in country radio for a long time and, you know, over the last probably eight years or so, that was what a lot of the big labels did. They didn't send out physical copies of CDs. They would send out like, you know, digital download cards where you could download the whole thing. But the problem with that then as compared to now is a lot of people didn't have the access, right? You know, and more people now have the access, you know, with their phones and that kind of stuff. And, you know, you can download it to your phone, but to me, there's nothing like being able to hold a physical copy, even though, I mean, and I probably have every song of it already downloaded, you know, right. but it's just that physical copy. It just kind of gives you that connection to to the artists themselves it you does. know because yeah, right. i can go listen to anybody digitally you know it doesn't yes. matter whether they're a brand new artist that's been out for six weeks or they're a classic artist been out for 60 years i can go listen to them digitally but to have that actual cd in hand you know and and yes folks and ladies and gentlemen boys and girls i still have a cd player in my truck believe it or not <laughs> And I spend, and I play a lot of stuff off of Spotify. I'm not going to deny that, but um, it's just nice to put that in every once in a while, you know. No, you're 100 percent right, man. That like vinyl too. I still love vinyl. Like I would, I would love to cut a record, so like an actual record, to suppress someday. Like if I did a full album, I might, oh, yeah. I might have to do that. I might have to. <laughs> I, I have such a love for vinyl, and I, I want to say I passed that on to my oldest son, but he's got a huge vinyl collection, and 
and uh, and I do too. And as a matter of fact, I was talking to my wife because we have. Uh, this is no lie, man. I'm not kidding you. I have four record players in my home. <laughs> I, I have one upstairs. I have two in the basement. I have one in another bedroom upstairs. So I have two upstairs and two downstairs. And I very rarely get to listen to any of them because just time, you know, but that's one of the things I like to do. Like the one that I'll probably listen to most is I have one here in the studio and I will probably use that one more than anything. Right. You know, but my, my son has a huge collection. He just reached out to me the other day. Hey dad, I'm buying a new turntable. What do you think about this one? I'm going, that's perfect. <laughs> it's perfect. It's an audio technica. Perfect. Great. Get it. You know, uh, I'm a big AT fan. So, I mean, and the vinyl to me, it just, the warmth of a vinyl album is so much different. It is. You know, um, that's like a couple of the, one of the record players I have is actually an older tube type record player. And that one needs a needle. I've got to get that fixed because I can't wait to put some of the vinyl I have on. <laughs> right. The warmth of a tube compared to solid state is like night and day to me. You know, it just sounds so much better. It's kind of like a, a tube amp or a solid state amp to a guitar player. Yeah, no, you're right. You know, the warmth of a tube amp, they just really enjoy. But you get an old tube amp, you know, um, uh, console, stereo, you know, those big things that weigh like 350 yeah. pounds. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you have to get a small crane to get them into the house. <laughs> yeah, you do. Um, and, I, and I've got two of those, actually. So it's just really, I love a vinyl. If you ever do come up with a vinyl, you got to let me know because I will buy it. I promise you I will buy it. Absolutely, Matt. It'll, ha it'll happen at some point. I guarantee it. So we're um, now right now, if you were to release an EP, say, let's just throw, I don't know, six months down the road, mm -hmm. where are you at with it? Do you feel like you've got enough material you could put it out? Are you still writing on some songs or where do you stand with that at the moment? I definitely think I do. I have a, you know, I, I think their rule, I can't remember which, there's so many bands that say this, but you know, it's like the rule of like a hundred songs, right? So like you, right. You know, sometimes you hear somebody say, like, you got to write 100 songs and you might get like five or 10 that are like, you know, pretty solid out of it. Maybe one right. of those is like a legit hit. And I think sometimes that could be true. But like, I definitely think when you write 100 songs, you're going to have a, a chunk of good ones in there. I think, you know, I, for sure, like 20, 25 of them, I think are going to be pretty solid. And I got a good chunk um, of songs going right now. I feel like I've probably got at least 40 songs that I would pick through right now of like and there's probably 15 of those in my opinion they're actually in the running of what i would want to put on a six song ep and there's there's probably you know there's a few of them where i'm like absolutely you know like there's like probably four in there that i'm like but then it is tough because i get down to that like that number five and number six slot and i'm like man i'm like well i really like this one like i should probably cut that and then you go down that list you're like dang i like that one too and that one and that one so i guess it's a good problem to have because but hopefully, you know, if I keep, I'm, I'm just going to keep on writing. Like I said the other day, I wrote one <clears throat> literally uh, yesterday or the day before. Um, and I've been wanting to write that song. I had a hook idea uh, for the past year and a half and I just never could never find the right melody for it. It just wouldn't fit. So I kind of just scrapped it and forgot about it. Finally, for whatever reason, uh, the other day I was messing around on the guitar and I was like, man, that sounds like I might be able to write that song. And I sat down for probably about an hour and I wrote it and I'm like, yeah, I'm going to cut that. It turned out really good. So I'm like, that's going to have to go on there. So that's probably number five. So now I got like one more slot to go. So we'll see if I, uh, if I write any more good ones, I'm going to have to start bumping some stuff off the rope there. <laughs> All right. How's that? There I got you. There I got yeah. you. Some reason I hit the wrong button. That was my fault. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at where we're going. I don't know what it is. I've run into this before and I've got this new contraption here, and sometimes I'm not used to all the buttons that I can and cannot push. <laughs> I, I get it. That's a confusing board to look at, probably. <laughs> but, um, uh, and, and as we were, I was asking you a question earlier, and I, and I honestly, whenever we lost each other there, I kind of lost my train of thought. But um, I, I want to do just a little something fun real quick. I, I like to do a couple of fun things within the show. And this is one at... Um, I like to call. Um, are you ready for this? Oh boy! Just a little something to to make you, you know, I ask you some weird questions and you answer them, and you're going, "What?" <laughs> so, uh, so this makes it a lot of fun. Um, all right, 
Have you ever had a this can't be happening to me moment and what was it? Yes, actually. Uh, a couple months ago, believe it or not, and it's kind of actually more of a not fun one. I broke three of my guitars within a week. Like my, oh my. <laughs> like all my guitar, like all my acoustics, they all they all broke. And I was like, oh, like God. I had, you know, like literally the I have behind me here, I got a 12 string. That one wasn't one of the three, but obviously I'm not going to take a 12 string down to Broadway, you know, right. but I had that fender behind me. The uh, there was something wrong with the some of the like electronics on the inside where it would just like quit working all the time. Like it would just and it would be like random. And so I couldn't figure it out. I took it in a couple times in the past and they're they, they like, oh, yeah, th like, I think we figured it out. Couldn't figure it out. Finally got that fixed. But that week that one broke. I have an ovation that uh, I literally accidentally snapped the uh, wires that connect the battery to like the, the nine volt thing. Right. I literally like I pinched it somehow in the box when I was putting it back in there and it snapped them in half in the middle of a gig. So I, and it was like, it was a solo acoustic gig. It would have been one thing if it would have been a full band show, I could have just not played guitar. It wouldn't have been the worst thing. Um, right. but it, you know, I was sitting there and I'd like maybe an hour into the show. And like, luckily I had a buddy that was, uh, that had played before me that had his guitar sitting there and he was downstairs uh, just kind of hanging out. And so I was like, I was like the bouncer went down. He's like, Hey, can Tyler use your guitar? And he's like, yep, that's fine. Kind of thing. And, and so I lucked out there. But then literally I had a Taylor, I actually sold it a couple weeks ago, but I had a Taylor 314 CE that I had and that broke as well downtown. Another thing with the electronics and that was all within one week down there. And I was like, I could not, when I, when I broke it, I was like, on, we were on stage. I broke the last one during a band shift. And um, I was, and I was like, I, I couldn't believe it. And I like literally did that. I was like, I'm like, are you serious right now? Like I just broke, like, I don't have a guitar now, apparently. So that, that was a bad, that was a bad week for me. Oh my. And those are the, you know, you're, you're, you don't even know how to feel at that point. It's just like, okay, it, it's got to get better. Cause it can't get a whole lot worse type of deal. Right. Ugh. So if, if you had a personalized car plate, a uh, license plate on your car, what would the plate say? And you may already have, I don't know. <laughs> I don't, I, man, I'm, I'm a huge, uh, I've grown up in Wisconsin. I'm a big Packers guy. Um, so if I ever got one, I, I potentially would go, I'm kind of waiting to see how they handle the Aaron Rodgers situation. I'll be honest with you a little bit, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm an Aaron Rodgers guy. I've always been a Brett Favre guy. And I've been an Aaron Rodgers guy, so I might have me a custom Aaron Rodgers plate or something like that. That might be what I would have on there. Okay. All right. So ha have your parents ever admitted to telling you something as an adult that they kept from you as a child? Hmm. My parents, I can't think of a ton of things that they like, maybe kind of like lied to me about or kind of switched a little bit. My aunt the other day, it's kind of funny that she's randomly told me this. She, uh, she told me that like, she's like, she told me that I, she was glad I grew up to be like pretty handsome because she said I was an ugly baby. And I'm like, I'm like, it just hit, hit me. Like, I was like, I was like, dang, I'm like, I'm like, seriously. <laughs> like, and I was like, that came out of left field a little bit. And I was kind of like, I guess that's a compliment wow. a little bit. <laughs> yeah. That, that'd just be kind of like it hurt, you know, <laughs> like tell a little white lie there anyway. Right. <laughs> All right. If you were a member of the Spice Girls, what would your spice handle be? Oh man, that's I'd probably I'd probably be uh, I'd probably be deer spice because I like hunting, so I'd be, I'd be deer spice maybe. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, what set of items could you buy that would make the cashier feel uncomfortable? Oh man, I bet you I could probably depending on the store. I buy so many redneck things that probably if I went in there and bought uh bought like a big Bowie, like a Rambo knife and some uh, a Rambo knife and maybe some uh, cigarillos or something like that from behind the counter and some uh, some some camouflage, they might be a little bit nervous depending on the store. But unless it was right. uh, unless it was Bass Pro, then they're probably used to that. <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't, it wouldn't bother them at all, I'm sure. Um, let me see. Let's just do one more. Um, it's, uh, I, I have these on my phone, so I have to get back over to my, my deck here. Um, what secret conspiracy would you start? Hmm. Secret conspiracy. That's a pretty good one. I'm trying to think if like, um, 
kind of something I feel like I would make kind of a, a, a jokingly one of like kind of how the whole there's like that whole thing with uh, Garth Brooks and Chris Gaines. I think it would, oh, be, yeah. it would be funny. I know it's a real thing with like the movie script and everything, but I think it would be kind of funny to throw people off and like maybe kind of make up this thing where like George Strait did something like that too. And like kind of do some Photoshop work or something, you know, like put like, put a goofy, like almost like a Billy Ray wig on George. Like, Oh, like before George actually moved, you know, to Texas and did the country music scene, he was actually a pop singer, you know, over here or something like that. And right. I bet you could maybe get some people to believe that'd be, it'd be kind of a low key conspiracy, but it'd be a country music conspiracy. It would be fun though. It would be a lot of fun. Well, I tell you what, Tyler, um, if they want to look you up on your socials, where are they going to find you at? Yes, so they can uh, pretty much find me everywhere at Tyler Deaver Music. Um, that's on, you know, the Instagram and Facebook. Um, I do have a TikTok now and all that stuff and a YouTube page. And then my main uh, website is TylerDeaverMusic.com as well. Um, and I got links to all my, you know, socials that way and to Spotify and all that stuff on my main website. That's why I always wear the the beaver on my hat because people can never, they like look at my last name and they're like, Oh, is it like, like John Denver? And I'm like, well, I'm like, it starts with a D, but I'm like, it's like, it's like beaver, like the critter, but like with a D instead. They're like, Oh, okay. Right. Like, <laughs> uh, but some people just don't catch on, do they? They don't, they don't get it. So as far as the music goes, they can get you on all the streaming platforms. Yes, they can. They can find me on all the major ones, um, iTunes and Spotify and Amazon Music and all those. Luckily, with the distributors these days, like they pretty much up, they upload my music and stuff. I don't even know what it is, to be honest with you. Some oh, of wow. them are like there's so many like they literally this last song I uploaded. There's like 30 or 40 things that that your music gets uploaded to um, everything from Instagram stories to uh, title and different things. It's on a ton of stuff so they can find it oh, pretty yeah. much anywhere. Yeah, I, I mean, even TikTok now. I mean, TikTok. They, I guess, they're uploading a lot of stuff to TikTok too, where people can use it. Because I've seen a lot of stuff on there, and I'm going, I didn't even know that that was up there. Right. But you know, it's like it's pretty cool, actually. I mean, anything that will will help you guys out. That's that's my my philosophy. If it'll help you get recognized, and by all means, let them do it. Right. Um, so what kind of, uh, you have any gigs lined up over the course of the summer? Where can they find you at if they're going to be like down in the Nashville area or anywhere like that? Yes, absolutely. So um, I always try to get um, a schedule posted on my website um, under the okay. tour button. And so I'll have a mix of out-of-state shows and then uh, my Nashville shows as well. I try to be good. You know, sometimes you miss it, but on my social media, I always try to post that week where I'll be at. I uh, frequent uh, Legends Corner weekly. I play there Wednesdays and Saturdays. Um, and then I also, when I'm in town, I play AJ's typically on Friday nights with my band um, at Alan Jackson's bar there. So, and you know, every once in a while, I'll, I'll have a pop-up show somewhere that I don't typically play in Nashville, some of those writers rounds. Um, right. And then this summer too, actually this next month, we're we're out of town for quite a bit. I get to go and open up for Mo Pitney in Wisconsin, which will be pretty cool. Wow. Um, we're, you know, it's, we're like the opening band and he plays, I think the, not the next band, but the one after us, that'll be a really fun show. It's, uh, a place, uh, up there in Gaze Mills, Wisconsin. So it'll be a, it'll be a cool little show. And then we're going all the way up to North Dakota to Minot up there to play a bar called the rocking horse for a week. Um, and I'll be in the port city, Iowa as well for a festival. So we're kind of, we got some stuff running, running through that. We're going to be, we're going to be busy here this next month or two. That's amazing, man. I mean, it's good to it's good to hear that you're busy. I mean, especially after the last year and a half, you know. So I'm I'm glad to see that you're out uh, doing your thing and uh, getting people more aware of your music. And 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 I mean, I encourage everybody to do this, and I'll do it tonight too. Whatever you do, you got to go check Tyler out on Spotify, on uh, as well as Apple iTunes and all that stuff. And you know, uh, one of the big things that I like doing, and I. I need to start encouraging people to do, you know, it's 99 cents to purchase a single. Okay. That's not a lot of money. You can find that probably in the couch. Um, so, you know, you can listen to this stuff for free, but help support the artists as well, because all these artists are out there, you know, they're trying to make a living at what they're doing. And my big thing is I want to get them, you know, to as many fans as possible and if, I mean, if you listen to it for free, I'm sure they don't mind if you come out to their shows and stuff like that, but Hey, buy it too. You know, uh, Tyler comes out with an EP or an album, then purchase that. 
and uh, just show them some love and support. So, uh, uh, Tyler, I appreciate you coming on tonight, man. And it's been a it's, it's been great talking to you. I really enjoyed it. Hey, I appreciate you having me, man. I'm, I really have. It's always fun to get to go on things like this. And I appreciate what you do, too, with helping because, you know, there's not a lot of programs that do that, you know, where they they help independent artists. Because, I mean, you're not you're not getting anything from that and other than getting to hopefully get new music you like. So we appreciate you doing that. And it helps me, you know, get into get new new viewers and people that might like the kind of style that I got. So I appreciate you doing that. Well, I, I, again, thank you. And, and I so much appreciate um, your time and keep me posted. Something comes out, you shoot me a, an Instagram message and say, Hey, I got something new coming out. You know, I'm working on the, the album or something like that. Cause sometimes I will update on past, you know, some of the past uh, artists that I've had on just to kind of let people know, or I'll put something on my Instagram or on my Facebook so that folks know what's going on. And, right. uh, uh, and sometimes when I can't seem to get over these congested cold <laughs> stuff and I can't talk, then I have to do that kind of stuff. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, we want to know what's happening. So check out Tyler Deaver. He's on all the socials. You can get him on all the socials. You can get him on all the streaming platforms and, uh, be sure if you're in Nashville, check him out. Uh, you said, uh, what was it uh, that you were at legends corner? Yeah, I'll be. I close Wednesday nights every Wednesday at Legends there, and then Saturday I play there as well. So if you want to catch me, yeah. Okay, so Wednesdays and Saturdays he's at Legends Corner. Uh, check him out at other places. Could be at a Riders Round. Could be anything. Just go follow it. You know, check him out online at uh, at his website, and you get all that. So Tyler, thanks again for coming on, man. We appreciate it, and uh, we'll be talking to you later. All right. That sounds like a plan, brother. You take care. Thank you. All right. You too. Bye bye.